And welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're excited to be with you again. We're bringing the Lordship of Jesus Christ to every aspect of our lives. And uh, I'm really excited because we're going to be kicking off a brand new series uh, based on an incredible book. We're going to introduce you to that in just a moment. But um, what a great weekend we had on Memorial. Yeah. Memorial weekend. Memorial Day, celebrating and remembering those who were brave and courageous and laid yeah. down their lives for yeah. our nation. I think you and I both love this holiday because it's you know it fits right into our podcast in terms of uh that there are things in life that are more important than life itself and and, yeah. and whenever uh an american lays down his or her life uh in battle f- to fight for america what what makes america america the american ideals um uh it just says that there's some there's things worth fighting for yeah. and it seems like that kind of you know uh, that kind of uh uh perspective is is rare today yeah something worth more than your life more than yourself more than your happiness more than your pleasure you know i was i follow a bunch of patriots on um, telegram and i and just of course on memorial day people post these stuff just makes me want to cry you know just about these these stories of these courageous soldiers and and patriots who laid their life down for their countrymen and for each other and just the, the the culture uh, that they live in, that they grew up in, to to just you know boldly face danger for the sake of your fellow mankind, for your fellow nation, and right. for freedom. And and one one person posted this uh, crazy quote. I, I can't remember the quote right right uh, in front of me because I don't have it in front of me. But basically, you know, I wish I had more lives to give for my nation, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, I wish I had more than one life to give to my nations. And and the question he poses is, um, what kind of culture? Then this is a long time ago. That might even be a revolutionary war. But but the question he poses is, what type of culture do you grow up in to have that kind of mindset instilled in these young men? Right. And I think the soldier was like 21 years old. Right. So it's a, it's a profound question because yeah. what, it, what it assumes is that this doesn't happen. This is not by nature. Uh, in other words, there's a there's a an environment. There's there's beliefs, traditions, values yeah. that are it's taught and that are taught. Made, and, yeah. yeah, and and so you, you these kind of people are created. So we ask the question again: What what type of men and women is our culture creating? Right. Uh, and when you see different uh, acts of valor, acts of sacrifice in the past, and then you look at kind of the poison and the toxicity in our culture today. It makes you wonder, how do we get here? You know, uh, I brought out the point in yeah. Sunday's message that, you know, when you reject absolute truth, absolute truth points us to values that are true and timeless and transcendent. Yeah. And and people go to war fighting for causes that matter. They're fighting for liberty. They're fighting for their for their children, for their wives. They're fighting to preserve a, a way of life uh, that they believe is valuable and that is true and that is good. And when you lose God, you lose good, good, you lose truth, you lose transcendence, you lose all those things that really are the ingredients. You know, I'm looking at some of these military right superpowers, like even now with the war with Russia and Ukraine. Um, a lot of these soldiers, they're out driving tanks and fighting a battle that they don't believe in, they don't know anything about, there's no greater purpose. And so morale's low, and if morale's low, you're not going to have a powerful fighting unit, right? And so um, I think one of the secrets to American success has been the fact that we actually believe in this concept of America, God and faith and family and freedom. It's deeply you know, embedded in the American people. 
And therefore, we're willing to go out and, and like the story that you gave, you know, I wish I only had, I wish I had more lives to give for my country. Um, we have this kind of people that are fighting our battles, at least historically. Uh, and to ask the question, how was that shaped? And then what has changed since then, I think is, is an important question to ask. Because I wonder today, honestly, how many people have you said, what would you, what would you be willing to, to give your life for? Yeah. I mean, what would they say? You know, I mean, it, what answers will we get? It goes back to the question we've been asking is what are the transcendent value? And I, I had a friend ask me, what do you mean by transcendence? Well, transcendence means it's, it's beyond utilitarian. You're not doing it because it's a job. You're not doing it because you're getting paid a certain amount of money. You're doing it because there's a transcendent over overarching value importance that's beyond yourself, beyond your right. comfort, right. beyond you and your, you know, your pleasure. So, for instance, we use words like freedom. Well, what is freedom? Well, it's a transcendent value. It's it's an ideal. Uh, or we use justice. Or we use uh, truth. Th these are all things that that are beyond us. They're they're ideals that we aspire to. They're things that that we uh, believe are valuable. And, but of course, what is truth when you don't believe in God? There, yeah. Truth doesn't exist. What what is freedom? It becomes merely uh, private, personal, uh, selfish. Uh, in nature. Uh, and so we lose our sense of the common good. Well, even Christ himself came to present the transcendent. He, he, his message is the transcendent. His message is everything transcends what you see in the world today. This is all going to pass this away. This is all going to pass away. The yeah. money, the wealth, the, the kingdom of God is transcendent. Your life. My God's glory is transcendent. Those are the transcendent things that, that, that allows people to go become martyrs for their faith because yeah. this, this stuff doesn't even matter. I'm, I'm, I'm trading in fleshly things for the transcendent things of God. So Christ itself is transcendent to everything that we are. Yeah. So when you take that out of the equation... You have nothing transcendent. Everything's material. And now it just might means right. It's just yeah. whoever got the biggest club. I think David was so uh, right on when he made, he made the comment, Lord, you know, my love for you is greater than life itself, better than life itself. Yeah. Um, that's transcendence. It, it means that there are things that drive us that are bigger, bigger than us. And, uh, and again, we're living in a culture where transcendence is gone. And so everything is about the here and now. It's a perfect description of what secularism is. It's all about the now, all about the immediate, all about me, all about my pleasure, my happiness, my future. Um, and, uh, and so how do we recover that sense of awe and reverence, transcendence, living for values that unite us instead of just being a, this divided, fractured nation? That's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, in a really exciting new book that that Pastor Andrew and I want to begin uh, to use kind of as a launch pad for us. Uh, some of you may or may not have read it, but it's a book by a man by the name of Carl Truman. Uh, it's called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Subtitle, Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution. Uh, a lot of you want to know, what's that book again? What's the name? Well, here, here's the uh, the cover so you can see it and, uh, and maybe zoom on in. But the author is Carl Truman, T-R-U-E-M-A-N. This book here is very um, uh, uh, academic in nature. If you want a deep, deep dive into the subject, read this one. Ryan Anderson recommended that, uh, that Carl come out with a shorter, more readable version for the general public that's not as academic and not as... Uh, as heady and maybe philosophical. Uh, and so he did that. He came out with a book based on this book called Strange New World. This is a, a paperback. It's a good read. I encourage you if you want to uh, kind of follow along with us, we're going to probably be going chapter by chapter um, and then using it as a launch pad. Of course, he's dealing more with the ideological, philosophical 
uh, track of thought throughout human history to kind of lead us to where we got today. Pastor Andrew and I will mix in there a lot of good theology uh, to help understand things from a Christian worldview perspective, um, but a tremendous book. I loved reading this book. In fact, I, I was telling Pastor Andrew I'd love to to see a sermon uh, series maybe emerge out of this when we talk about modern self and how we got to be uh, where we got to be. But anyway, he, he begins posing a question that I think all of our listeners can relate to you. He says that back in the day, if he would have gone to his father, say, 30 or 40 years ago and made this statement, uh, I am a woman trapped in a man's body, that that statement would have been received by everyone in the culture, basically everyone, as a ludicrous, laughable, um, incoherent gibberish is the phrase he used. Uh, and nowadays, we've seen a complete shift toward just the opposite is true. Yep. Uh, nowadays, if I laugh at that statement or if I mock that statement or if I try to even just to simply refute that statement that is uh, irrational, that is uh, unscientific, whatever terms we want to use, um, we, we are now viewed as if we are communicating incoherent gibberish. You are ist. You're, you're bigots. You're some type of, you know. Yeah. Uh, we get uh, hater. thrown You're at. a yeah. hater. Yes. yes. We're mean. We're, we're immoral. Yeah. We're, we're stupid. We're, we're guilty of some type of irrational phobia. Um, in fact, how about this? We, we've gone from where that statement 30 years ago is laughable to where our own president today, Joe Biden, makes this statement. Transgender equality is the civil rights issue of our time. So, Wow. To where this is inconceivable, incoherent silliness to where the president of the most powerful nation on planet Earth now says this is the civil rights movement issue of our time. That, that represents a quantum leap in a very short amount of time. And I think, again, if you're like us, you're looking at the cultural landscape and you're going, how did we get from where... In the year 2000, we're arguing about whether or not gay marriage is even, you know, a legitimate thing to where now 20 short years later, two decades, now we're fully embracing as a as a society, uh, at least mainstream society, transgenderism as a legitimate form of expression and as a normal thing. How do how do we get there? And, uh, and I think that's a good question. We're all scratching our heads because kind of, we're shell-shocked with what's happened, the, 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 the rapid transition of our cultural landscape. But interestingly enough, yeah, so we go back to, we go back to the uh, gay marriage debate in the 2000s, uh, early 2000s. Uh, you brought out a good point. The, the argument was based on the, uh, you, you could see the handwriting on the wall, basically, as it relates to where we're getting today, based on the argument for why it, it did not marriage did not demand a biological male with a biological female yeah um talk a little bit about that i mean there's so much to that i mean uh, marriage traditionally is to build a family unit and to have a family unit to have kids you need to have be a biological male and female i mean there's no way around that that's, right. that's just the bio biology uh, fact, but but marriage has transcended so many barriers, no fault divorce, all these different things to become this other unit, this definition, whatever marriage is, the divorce and and whatever it is. Um, but I, I'm really following something that uh, Stephen Crowder said, which I I was like, wow, okay. He said back when the marriage debate, uh, what is marriage was being debated. He says I knew that when 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 the definition of marriage has been redefined by the Supreme Court. 
uh, without any legal basis, constitutional basis. Right. But but at, when when that barrier fell, he says the transgender issue is already in place because at that point, male and female no longer are, are interchangeable, no longer right. distinguishable from each right. other. So you don't have, why why we ask the question? Well, why does that have to be one man and one woman? Why can't it be two men? Why can't it be two women? Why? And then it, then it quickly led to another. Uh, debate over polygamy, which we thought we had settled. So why just one man and one woman? Why not one man and three women? I mean, and you know, so you get into this whole craziness when you start throwing out biological realities, you start throwing out uh, traditional norms and standards, you start getting into the question of what's the purpose of marriage in the first place. Um, and it gets us into a lot of the issues that we're talking about now. How, first of all, how did the person become a self? How did the self become so sexualized? Because everything now is about sex. And then how did sex become so politicized? Mm -hmm. Because all the major issues we're dealing with in America today somehow go back and find their source in our understanding of sex and government's job to basically normalize every kind of sexual expression imaginable. Well, I, I don't know about you. Is anybody else just sick and tired of government mentioning sex? Yeah. <laughs> this I mean, used to be the like, liberal argument, by the way, uh, when we were talking about abortion. The, the liberals used to say... Uh, keep the government out of my sex life. Well, now government is in all of our bedrooms basically telling us what we should celebrate, shouldn't celebrate, what's the norm, what's not, yeah. and then we're going to punish you as the government nope. if you don't agree with us. Nobody wants to talk about what I have to, what gender pronouns. I mean, like, but that's where we're in right now. Where yeah. does that reality come from? Yeah. Like, nobody likes to talk about those things. But the point is, if, but, you, if you reverse hey. the tape, you're like, okay, it's all, everywhere in politics. Well, why? Well, it's because of the, of the sexualization of self. Well, how did that happen? And then we get right back again to understanding what is the self and how do we, how do we traditionally define ourselves and how do we contemporarily define ourselves and how, what, what has led ideologically to the building blocks of this radical transformation and how we view who we are. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what this book is about. And I think you're going to going to really enjoy it. But Truman makes the statement uh, in his introduction. He says to, to understand where he's headed, then we really need to understand a couple of things more deeply. The first big issue is the sexual revolution. Of course, this began in the 1960s uh, and really was an attack on traditional uh, sexual ethics. Um, it was it was the who says question. Uh, what where, where does the ultimate authority lie in terms of how we express ourselves sexually? And of course, traditionally in a Judeo-Christian America, uh, the Bible was the source for defining mm -hmm. those sexual mores and boundaries. And so we had um, again, how was sex expressed? Well, you were celibate. If you were single, you chose to live a life that, where you did not engage in sexual activity outside of the covenant of marriage. And then within inside the covenant of marriage, that's where sexuality, that was the guidelines, the guardrails for sexual expression. Of course, it was protected because it was in a covenant relationship. It was protected because it was between a man and a woman. So, of course, homosexuality or lesbianism or other forms of premarital sex, adultery, bestiality, incest, I mean, the list goes on and on. All those types of sexual expression were forbidden. Of course, just us stating this right now would be received by mainstream media and, and our institutions of higher learning uh, as, uh, it'd be ridiculed, it would be mocked as, as, as old school, as oppressive, 
all kinds of, of terminology placed on it because the, the sexual revolution opened the gateway uh, to a lot of these behaviors and basically attacked the whole issue of institutional authority. In other words, that, you know, part of the part of the mantra back in the 60s was don't don't believe anybody over 30, don't trust anybody over 30, and basically that every institution should be questioned, including the church and including you know scripture. Now, what was interesting is not that uh, sexual sin was new, because sexual sin has been going on since biblical days. But what was interesting is the way in which sexual perversion, as we would call it, has been normalized. Think about when you when I ask you a question today, what sexual behavior is off limits? In other words, what would our modern society say is wrong as it relates to sexual expression? I mean, we're down to some pretty narrow. Uh, the only thing that's wrong is not lack of consent. That's okay. where we are right now. I would add one more. Okay. Uh, incest. Okay. Okay. We, we, we still pretty much agree. That, that barrier is still. Yeah. Into, yeah. yeah. We still pretty much agree that, yeah. that a father should not have sex with his own children. Sure. Um, okay. Or a family member. In general. Um, okay. In general. But yeah. you're right. So so now the issue is not what form of sexual expression. Yeah. The issue is just whether it's okay with you. Right. But but even that line is careful because you know okay uh, uh pedophilia okay is probably another one thing that's. That's, right. that, but but even that wall, because what is consent? You know, because normally I, I think the age I don't know the walls, but like I think eighteen years old, you you can't give consent until you're over eighteen because you're an adult. That's the I think that's the law right now. But even that's being attacked right now to say, well, why why eighteen? Why not sixteen? Why not fifteen? You know. Right. right. So so the issue is yeah. we're living in a, in a day and age when every single yes. code everything's has been danger has been attacked yeah. and blown up basically. Right. And, and now this is the crazy part is. If I don't celebrate who you say you are, right, your identity, your sexual identity, if I don't celebrate it, then the government, this is how politicized it's become, then the government will punish me. Or we have other institutions, like it, like I was reading where a, a conservative professor, one of only like a few at Princeton, is now being tried to be driven out of Princeton University. Well, what's his what's his sin? His sin is simply he doesn't agree with the rest of the liberal progressives uh, on all the things that they're pushing. You know, uh, so it, it, his sin is simple disagreement. Uh, but he's punished now. He's canceled. We live in a cancel culture. Um, and if you speak out about these issues, you can be sued. You can be brought to court. Whether it's the baker who doesn't want to celebrate. The person's gay wedding, yeah, or the, the teacher that doesn't want to use prefer pronoun, uh, yeah, whatever it, it, it is. It, it's all across. So, so the, here's the issue again: How do we go from where, you know, a short time ago, we all agreed that this behavior was wrong, to where now that's all been turned upside down. All the sexual mores have been turned on on their head, and where now you're punished for simply believing um, in biblical truth or biblical se sexual ethics. Um, and it's interesting, the use of language. You, you, you alluded to it earlier. Uh, language is a powerful tool. And so when we say, you know, well, we believe homosexuality is wrong, it's sinful. Well, why do you believe that? Because God has spoken and because God's clear that this, is, uh, this behavior is sinful and wrong and that it leads to uh, uh, human uh, pain and suffering. All right, we can talk about sickness and disease and we can talk about perversion of, of uh, our sexuality and people made in the image and likeness of God. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's all kinds of social arguments which nobody wants to listen to any, any longer. Yeah. But the point was we could simply say that we believe homosexuality is a sin and we could quote scripture verse. 
Now we're labeled, uh, the word phobia is used for anybody who disagrees with the sexual revolution. So yeah. if, I, if I disagree with homosexuality, now, now I'm a, a, a homophobe. If you disagree with transgenderism, you're, you're, you now have transphobia. And so you, the whole idea is if you disagree, now you are, you're irrational, you're full of fear, and you're a bigot because the only reason that you don't accept these people is because you're full of hate. In fact, that showed up in one of the arguments, right, for the majority argument for the, uh, the, the same-sex marriage was that somehow if, you, if we believe that it's wrong for two men to be, quote, married, then, then our animus is driven by bigotry and irrationality, and that's wrong in and of itself. Um, we can't live in an America where, where people are not allowed to love each other the whatever way that they that they feel so. So any of you watching this program, uh, if you share biblical values and you stand for biblical truth, you're going to receive one of these labels from the mainstream media or mainstream culture because you're completely out of stride with the sexual revolution as it's embraced today. Um, so the second thing he said to talk about, the well, first thing of a sexual revolution, which we just alluded to, but the second thing he said, which is important, is to understand kind of the way the whole notion of self has been morphed and, and changed uh, to what it is today. Mm -hmm. um, you and I have a consciousness of, of self. Like, I know I'm me. Who's talking? I'm talking. I know I'm not you. You know you're not me. And that's kind of the basic idea of self. Um, I have my own unique consciousness. I, I understand who, that there's there's the spirit inside of me that's talking right now, right? Um, and all of these went into to our modern day makeup of, of the fact that that self speaks of individualism, it speaks of self-consciousness, and, and biblically it just reminds us that we're made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, we're made to communicate with God. Uh, the fact that we're aware of ourselves separates us from matter uh, alone. Uh, it, it speaks of the, uh, the spirit of God within us, uh, life, uh, what it means to be a human. Uh, so this is all good. These, these types of, of self are good. It reminds us, that again, of, of who we are. But what's happened is there's been a radical shift uh, away from understanding myself in terms of the larger community to this radical um, uh, progressive individualism that we have or expressive individualism that we have today where your definition of yourself comes from within. And talk a little bit about that because this, this is really uh, popular among the transgender community today. We talk about coming out. We talk about authenticity. We talk about not living a lie, right? Um, where do all these ideas come from? I, oh, well, they came from a various different philosophers. But, but, but I think the process of this idea a little bit is the idea of your true self. Now, again, you got to define what that true self is. Uh, I think they define it, true self, as in what you feel. That is the, the ultimate glory, the ultimate uh, uh, self-actualization is when you identify, you express your true self, and everyone needs to bow down to your expression of your true self. And that's a, very, that's a philosophical standpoint, which my opinion is there's an ounce of truth to that. There's an ounce of truth to say, hey, you know what? You're really called to be a doctor, but you are a attorney and you need to really find your true calling. We use those kind of verbiage in the church sometimes, you know, right. God's made you to be. There's a degree of authenticity to well, that. And, and Truman makes the point, to be honest, because we live in America today, yeah. you and I and the church and everybody has been impacted by this expressive individual. America is a... 
on the on the uh, conformity versus individualist spectrum, we are like way off. Uh, uh, extremely radically individualistic. That's just, they America. take this ounce of truth and they just swing it all the way to the very extreme, to the point that you know what, my true self is, I'm a dog. Okay, well then everyone needs to bow down to your self identity as a dog. So by by you defining yourself primarily by inward feelings, psychology, yeah. intuition, what you're ignoring is historically you have found yourself. In a planet that you didn't create, yep. with laws that you didn't create, with other people that you didn't create, uh, and all of this was played a part in defining who I am. In other words, we used to approach life with a sense of humility and say, okay, how do I ever understand who I am and what I was created to be? I use the word created because we realized we didn't, we didn't get here on our own. How did we get here? And so... Uh, the world not too long ago understood that we lived in a God-created world, that to understand who we were, we needed to understand who God is. We never understand ourselves outside of who God is because he's our creator. We didn't just live based on what my feelings were because in the past we were very... I guess the suspect of feeling, right? One minute you feel happy. Yeah. Next minute you're sad. One minute you're confident. Next minute you're very fearful. In other words, feelings come and go. They're 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 uh, they're erratic. They're irrational many times. Sometimes we don't even know why we feel the way that we feel. But we're living in a day and age, as you just pointed out, where all that matters is what you feel. And if you feel like a, you're a dog or you're a man who's trapped in a woman's body or a woman trapped in a man's body, um, then that is your reality. And and my job now is to conform to your reality. And uh, whereas before we say, wait a minute, God defines what proper sexual expression is. God defines what a human being is. God defines what's right and wrong. And my job is to understand who I am in, in a relationship to who God is. And then we would go to the scripture or other forms of authority that would help determine how I'm to behave. Or we would look to science. We, it's funny because we were always supposed to be the non-scientific ones, right? Well, this whole transgender thing is the most non-scientific uh, craziness you could ever imagine. I, I think this is, again, this is what happens when... Things are just paint with a brush, right? Your feelings are what's most important. Everything is nuanced. We're not saying feelings are not important. We went through a whole series on, on shame that talks about the importance of examining yeah. your feelings. The, the, the issue is there's a tension point. There are nuanced side between collectivism, radical collectivism, which we don't want, right. and radical individualism. In the kingdom of God, in, in, in God's creation, there is a beautiful place in which in the context of collective, in the context of being made in the image and likeness of God, yeah. we can express the individualism. God's giving unique gifts and talent right. who make, who, to be a certain place and do a certain thing. Now, the problem of postmodernism, this gets into philosophical uh, ideas a little bit, is when you remove the context of God and creation, you are your own God. I mean, you won't say it, but basically you're acting like your own God, right? You create your own meaning. So in, in you that kind your own universe, your own universe, your own what is good, what is bad. Well, there's everything is relative. You create those things, okay? So in that context, without the context of God, without the context of we are just creatures, we are made in image and likeness, we ourselves not God. Individualism goes crazy and creates all these crazy issues and problems that's unsustainable and contradicts itself. Because let me say, let me just say, if you feel like if deep in your heart, you feel like you're a woman, even though you're a biological man. 
But what? So everyone needs to bow down to you. But what happened if I, in my deep own heart, feels like your biology determines who you are? That's my true self. So you got all these true selves contradicting each other. It's unsustainable, right? Which takes us back to transcendence again and truth, because yeah. truth provides the parameters in which we all live and we all work together. Radical individualism is unsustainable at any level because whatever entity, organization, whether it's a nation, whether it's a church, whether it's a, 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 a state, whether it's a corporation, there needs to be something, some unifying factor. There needs to be unity and diversity, okay? Diversity in the peripheral things, but in the, at the center, there needs to be at least some unifying right. factors, right? When we talk about what makes Americans Americans, what are those common ideals, yeah. again, that cause Nothing us now, to, right. to be willing to go out and die for our country? And, and nowadays, realizing we don't know what those things are because we're so splintered. And that's, that's what it does. It isolates us. Yeah. It splinters us. And, and I want to highlight this because this is what we do on this podcast. We talk about a Christian worldview. The beauty of the Christian worldview is, is number one, God loves the creature. He sent his son to die for us. He, he created us in his image. He's, we're one of a kind. We're unique. We're gifted uh, uniquely. There's only one Andrew Ming. There will only be one Andrew Ming in the entire history of, of, of humanity, as there will be only one of me and only one of you. We're, we're absolutely unique. And so it's, it's true when we say that you are God's favorite because you're the only you that he created. Uh, and you're his favorite you, all right? That, that, that highlights the, the unique individuality and the value of the creature. But it also, Christianity also highlights the value of the community. It's not just about the creature, it's about the creature in context. And, and so God cares about unity, peace, justice, loving your neighbor, living together with a shalom, uh, that biblical sense of peace that happens when things are rightly ordered under God. And, and so it's, it's the beautiful balance. So we're not, we're not off into communism where, where you lose your identity and you be, just become a creature of the state. But we're not American radical individualism where it's all about me and whatever I feel is true. And I forget about what you feel. It's my identity. It's my, my intuition. It's my being authentically me that matters. Um, that's that's the beauty of the Christian worldview as it strikes the balance between the two. So we're going to be we're going to be charting this 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 ideological journey as to how we got here today. And I love what Truman says. He he gives a great example of two uh, two errors that we have to avoid, and we hope to avoid in this in this context. If we said, well, how do we get to where we're accepting you know transgenderism as the norm? You know, Christians might simplistically say. Well, it's because of sin. And, of course, that would be true. And he gives the example. He, he asked his class, what was responsible for the 9-11 towers collapsing, the twin towers collapsing? The answer at one level is gravity. Because gravity is the answer for why, why objects fall to the ground. But we would all recognize that is a very simplistic overgeneralization. It doesn't deal with the issue of context. It doesn't deal with radical Islam. It doesn't deal with terrorism. It doesn't deal with, with global relationships between nations. It doesn't deal with a whole lot of things which are essential to understanding why those Twin Towers came crashing to the ground. I think it's the same thing when we talk about the moral problems in our culture today. Of course, sin is the problem. It's our transgression against God. But what he wants to, to do is diagnose the problem uh, so that we can come up with a solution. And, and this requires understanding the ideological and the philosophical ideas that lead to building this lie. Uh, and if you don't understand the, the component building blocks, you cannot 
disassemble this Tower of Babel that has been constructed as it relates to sexual perversion in our culture today. So the first thing that he said that we need to, to, to watch is overgeneralized explanatory schemes, which is just a fancy way of saying simplistic you know, Bible verses or answers without taking into context really centuries of erosion of biblical truth that's happened to get us to where we are today. And the other one you and I just kind of talked about is, is treating symptoms in isolation. So we bring up the issue, the example of gay marriage in the year 2000 and 20 years later, transgenderism being fully embraced. Um, you can't blame transgenderism for trans. In other words, transgenderism is not the cause of transgenderism. There's ideas that led, first of all, to the acceptance of gay marriage, which is radical. Well, what, what led us to accept gay marriage? Well, you have to go back centuries or actually decades at least to understand how we got to the place where we could actually believe that marriage would be anything besides a man or woman, which has been the standard for two millennia. Um, so I thought that was a really good point. In other words, there are deep, long-standing pathologies that are the result of years and years and years of ideas that lead culture to embrace one step upon the other. Before you know it, you've got this massive edifice and you're going, how did we get here? And I think that's I think that's where most of us are today. How are we living in this world that is literally going crazy where we're wondering, we're feeling like strangers on some alien planet? Um, how did it happen? And uh, and how do and most importantly, how do we reverse the course? Yeah. And I love this quote. Maybe this is a great place to, to end. Uh, Truman says this, Every age has had its darkness and dangers. The task of the Christian is not to whine about the moment in which he or she lives, but to understand the problems and respond appropriately to them. First of all, I love this because it's easy to sit back and curse the darkness. And and this program in our church has never been about cursing darkness. We don't we don't go, oh, well, 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 look how bad the world is. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to understand how we got here. And then we're called to be about a transformation and reformation. He goes on to say, understanding the times is a precondition of responding appropriately to the times. Understanding the times as a precondition to fixing the times, changing the times, being the change agents that we're called to be. Yeah, I think the call really, and I only read chapter one of this book. I'm looking forward to keep reading it. But my understanding of the call really for us is, is for us to grow in sophistication and understanding of philosophical under, underpinnings to yeah. all these different things. We can't be... Uh, insulate in our just like well just quote the bible and just like you know it's just saying we need to understand what the times we need to understand what is truly going on because what happens is when we don't truly understand the context we partake in these um false worldviews in ways that we don't even know yeah tv shows we watch movies we watch uh policy procedures were things we 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 don't have the eyes to see how we go along the flow in ways, and our heart is not intending to. We're not trying to, you know, but we are unknowingly participating in this movement towards, you know, the edge of the cliff. And what we need to do is, when we are aware of the times, we have the eyes and discernment to say, no, in whatever leadership realm I have, this is not going to happen because even though it seems innocuous on this level, right. it leads to this philosophical idea that it's going to be bad. Right. And we need our eyes to see. So we need to be a little more sophisticated in understanding some of these things. Well, there's a famous verse you're probably familiar with. It comes from First Chronicles 12:32. It says uh, that the unique 
characteristic of the sons of Issachar. Uh, so the tribe of Issachar, they, they possessed an understanding of the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. I love that. We, we want to be moving in that spirit uh, of the sons of Issachar to be able to look at the cultural context in which we find ourselves today and, and get it, understand why people are sexually confused, yeah. uh, understand why sex has become so politicized, understand why uh, there's this push towards uh, expressive individualism, and be able to highlight the errors of it, be able to point out the weaknesses and the dangers of it, and then be able to actually rewind the tape and say, well, this idea led to this idea, which which led to this idea, which led us to where we are today. And so if we don't attack the lie with truth, um, then we'll just keep living in this cultural confusion and darkness uh, that's so much a part of our American culture today. But, yeah. but the one thing we will not do, cannot do, is just wring our hands and start looking for the Antichrist to show up and keep having uh, conversations about how we're living in the uh, last days uh, just because darkness is abounding. Uh, there's been darkness all throughout human history. Our job is not to somehow attach it to Christ's second coming and then you know give up and just hold the fort and wait till Jesus comes. Right. Um, our job is to transform society. Our job is to transform individuals and our churches should be places where the gospel is modeled, where, where we love the individual, we care for people well, but we also model community, uh, healthy communities where people find identity, where they find meaning, uh, and where they become the healthy selves that God created them to be and where they discover their purpose and their identity. And so I'm really, really excited about uh, about this next series. I think we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about, and I think it'll be incredibly relevant to uh, the current you know context in which we find ourselves amen so anyway i hope you've enjoyed this today we're wetting your appetite once again these are two books by carl truman the rise and triumph of modern self and a shorter uh cliff notes i call a cliff notes version uh more readable version called strange new world i encourage our listeners to take a look at those books and uh, maybe follow along with us uh, i think it'll help you understand some of the dialogue and some of the points that we're trying to make but anyway, we love you all. Thanks for tuning in today. It's always a treat and honor and a privilege for us to share this time with you. We love your feedback. So uh, please uh, give us some comments, what you enjoy, what you've appreciated. Uh, and as always, like this and share this with as many people as you think it would be uh, helpful. Especially as we're coming into this new series, I think you're going to find it incredibly practical and helpful just from your uh, water cooler conversations to uh people that you're talking with at work, uh, people that you're, you know, summer sports, whatever the, the families, the issues, the headlines, the news is going to be incredibly helpful and relevant to you. So we'll look forward to being with you next Thursday. Have a great day.